Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into our study today. Father God, thank you for your word, and thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose, Lord. Uh, just pray again, like uh, my wife had prayed, just pray for those who lift up those who uh, aren't, aren't able to make it today, who aren't feeling well, and um, Father, just pray for <clears throat> Benjamin, who's a pastor in Ukraine, that you would just continue to bless that ministry. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would move forth, Lord, in the midst of just really hell on earth, Lord, that's going on over there. Lord, even in Russia, Lord, that you would use this situation to save people, to remind people about your love for them, God. Lord, I lift up uh, my friend uh, Theo that's in El Salvador, that you would be with him and his family as well. Uh, Lord, just missionaries in general, Lord, people that are um, in, in, in the other parts of the world, God, in, in very intense environments, yet um, running with the truth of Jesus anywhere they can have an ear to hear, Lord. And so um, just praise you for those people, Lord. Just bless them and protect them and their families. Um, and just, uh, just thank you so much, God. Just lift up uh, this time to you that you would teach us through your word and uh, that you would remove me, God. And thank you so much, Lord, for um, this portion of scripture. And I pray that we wouldn't um, leave this place uh, missing out on what you have for us. And uh, those who are listening online and uh, that you'd be with them as well too, Lord. Just thank you and praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so uh, really neat. Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to put that back out here. So we were able to give new uh, clothing to um, Marysville Joint Unified School District's HOPE program. It's a program for homeless kids that are students. And um, some of you may know this. I've shared this before. By the end of the year, they probably have about 300-plus students that are homeless. And so um, I kind of want to keep helping that out. Uh, I think I'm going to put that um, container over here still throughout for a while. And, you know, if you guys have a thought of getting new, you know, socks, underwear, um, things of that nature, brand new uh, for kids, um, elementary, teenage years, stuff like that, um, we'll just go ahead and give the supplies again to them. They were really grateful um, it's really a neat thing. Um, <clears throat> being a small church makes us really nimble. Um, it, it, make, it gives us opportunity to build relationships with the schools and folks that lead things in, in the school district. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just really a neat opportunity that God's given us to, to connect with, with the schools and, and, and do what we've done. And it's by God's grace. Um, I mean, we handed out 75 backpacks and was filled with school supplies, actually more than that. Uh, Oliverhurst Elementary, Ella, Johnson Park, Edgewater. Um, and so uh, it was really a neat opportunity for us to do that. And so, um, yeah, so Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through 21, um, the title of this message, A Glimpse Behind the Spiritual Curtain. I've always, um, th this portion of scripture has always stood out to me I find it extremely fascinating, um, and I pray you do as well. I pray that the Lord opens your eyes and heart to the reality of what we live in in our daily lives. 
Um, and so um, I'm going to go ahead. We're not going to read through uh, the whole chapter like we did last week. Um, there's just too much to read through. We're just going to go verse by verse. So um, Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 uh, through 21. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. So Belshazzar was a name that was given to Daniel um, by Nebuchadnezzar when they were first exiled to Babylon. Um, it, it was interesting how that happened with him and some of the other uh, Jewish uh, friends of his. They gave them different names that actually symbolized their pagan gods. Um, it was just a way to try and remove their identity as God followers or God's people. But anyway, so for whatever reason, uh, his, his, his name is mentioned here, his, his uh, Babylonian name that was given to him. Um, the message was true. So, he, so Daniel says, the message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he, understood the mes- and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. So the first verse is kind of this, this overview uh, of, of Daniel. Um, and, and then we see here that it's the third year of King Cyrus. Um, and so uh, verse two, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So uh, like I mentioned, this is the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, this third year of his reign. Daniel, he was mourning for three weeks. Um, we, we do not know exactly exactly why he was mourning for three weeks. Some think it could be because the temple rebuild had stopped or maybe because not many of uh, his Jewish, you know, uh, friends, his, the Isra- not many of the Israelites, not necessarily his friends, but the Israelites as a whole, uh, not many of the Jews had gone back to um, uh, Israel. Uh, so it, it's just, it's unclear why Scripture doesn't give us clarity on exactly why he was mourning, but we do know that he was mourning for three full weeks. So something was bothering him. Something was really uh, moving him to to be in this sorrow state. Um, so we know that he was mourning, and Daniel was was. And it's important to know that Daniel wasn't fasting. A fast is when you abstain from from food. Okay. Um, but what he was doing is he had decided to refrain from pleasurable food and wine um, and to not anoint himself, okay? Uh, in those days, anointing with perfume was a custom, would have been like taking a bath. Um, and so we see here that, that uh, you know, uh, Daniel, uh, he had set aside three weeks of limiting things um, to his life that brought him gratification or that, that he enjoyed. So, so, so taking this, um, and, and walking through the rest of the scripture, this is, this is the state that Daniel's in for three whole weeks. Verse four, now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. And behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision." And no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I, re- and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, 
And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. So from verse four through nine, we see that on the 24th day, which is the first uh, month, that he was at, by the river Tigris with other people and he lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, he saw this certain person clothed in linen. Um, and it's interesting, the description that's given here, you know, he had this band of gold around his waist. His body was like beryl or like topaz. Beryl, it's a topaz uh, mineral. Um, it could, you know, could have been emerald. It could have been topaz blue, yellow topaz, but beryl is the topaz family. Um, I used to sell jewelry a long time ago. And so I remember this and I had to refresh my memory. I'm like, well, what did that look like? Because in my mind, I'm like, I know that emerald is part of the barrel family. So what color is this? But most likely it was a, like a golden topaz color. Um, and so, so we see this very descriptive, uh, this very intense description of this person that Daniel saw, okay? So we, we, it's important for us to, to understand this at face value here is that Daniel actually witnessed this amazing angelic being, okay? This wasn't some, uh, you know, th this wasn't some sort of spiritual dream that he was in. The men that were with Daniel, they were affected by this angelic being, but did not see it. They were filled with fear and fled. So God kept the other people that were with Daniel kept their eyes from seeing what was going on. It's important that we understand this because this piece of scripture here in verse 10, that's why I titled the message, um, A Glimpse Behind the Spiritual Curtain. God gives us this glimpse of the very literal and real spiritual realm that's around us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year always around us. So Daniel physically saw this man. There was, there was something similar happen. Um, if you know the story of Saul on his way to Damascus, when Jesus himself showed up, the men that were with Saul heard a voice, yet they did not see what was happening. This is in Acts chapter nine, similar situation. Now, um, it's also important to note here, and this is, it, 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 now because of this description given about this angelic man that Daniel sees, okay, commentators are split over the identity of this angelic being, this angelic man, this, this, this person that Daniel sees. Some think it to be Jesus because the description of the man, Daniel, because of the description of the man in Daniel 10, verse five through six, has similar features as Jesus's reference or John wrote Revelation chapter one, verse, he wrote Revelation. So in Revelation chapter one, verse 12 through 16, John sees Jesus. Very, very uncanny simil similarities. And I really stress the similarities, okay? They're not exact, okay? And my, I'm not so sure that this is Jesus himself that has revealed himself to Daniel. And we will learn later on why I lean more towards it not being him as we read through this chapter. Um, the sight of this amazing being took away Daniel's strength. We read that. Uh, he was as dead, no life in him. So, so when we see this portion here, 
when it says, therefore, I was left alone when, and when I saw this great vision. So the great vision he's talking about is not prophetic vision, but the vision of the being that he sees. And verse eight continues, and no strength remained in me, okay? For my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I, re and I retained no strength. In other words, the, the Hebrew language gives a description as if Daniel was withering on the ground in death. Okay, literally, this, this, this was such an intense um, experience that he was breathless. He was as if he was dying, okay? It took his breath away. It took the strength, the vigor out of his body. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced to where you, you, the, the strength and everything in you has literally left your body. Um, most of us have not had that experience, but, but this is what happened with Daniel. And so, and it says, was in a deep sleep. I don't think he all of a sudden started napping. I think this more of a is a description that his body literally was just done and he was on his face with his face to the ground. So he's laying on the ground, no life in him. He's just there. Um, not physically dead, but like dead, okay? <clears throat> it's important to understand also that no matter how godly a man may be, such as Daniel, they are undone in the presence of God and those that are associated with him. When God shows up, he literally holds our life in his hands. You know, when, when an angelic being shows up like this, it, it literally, it, it, it affects you in such a great way that you're just laid out. Um. And so we see here, we continue in verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. So Daniel said, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. So Daniel goes, he's on the floor as dead. This hand touched him. And it made him tremble. Um, and I want us to notice what transpired here. Daniel, greatly affected by the sight, so much his body was as dead, as a dead man, no strength, limp, no vigor. The intention of this angelic man was not to harm Daniel. It's very important to understand that, okay? Um, or create this reaction in Daniel. That wasn't the intention, okay? Um, a lot of times we can read this, we, oh, we're, you know, we're fearing angels and God and, 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 oh, they're so against us. Well, that's not true because God in all of heaven, they love us as human beings. Like we are part of the apple of God's eye. Like he is so passionate about us and he loves us so dearly. There, he is not against us. It's when we choose to rebellious, rebellious, it's when we choose rebellion against God is when we really, we oppose ourselves against God. God has a standard. But so we're talking here though about a godly man. We know that Daniel's godly. We've seen his character all throughout Daniel, the book of Daniel. But notice here, you know, the intention uh, was not to harm Daniel or create this reaction, Daniel. I personally believe it just is what happened as a result of the presence of this being. Notice here, this hand touched him. It made him tremble. And perhaps because the sense of godly power um, 
Maybe Daniel felt that when the hand touched him or perhaps because the vision was so great that the touch of his hand caused it. You ever been like, you know, when you're so affected with something so drastic, if somebody just touches you, like you're just like, oh, you know, all of your nerve endings are just moving. And so it's possible that that's what happened when, you know, when he trembled on his, knee, uh, on his knees and the palms of his hands. Um, <clears throat> and so... But what he says next is just so amazing. He says, Daniel, oh, Daniel, greatly beloved. This is the second time we see that the messenger of God tells Daniel that he is loved. My friends, oh, what it is to know the depth and breadth and passion of God's love for us individually. One commentator was saying, uh, while I was studying, that we should pray and ask God to show the real depth of his love for us. And it's been said, some people are, you know, afraid to do that because if I had so much of God's love on me, I'd be full of pride. Well, I think that's a farce. I think we need to be reminded of the intensity and the love that God has for us. And so we see here this message, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Now, th- This is a messenger sent from God speaking to Daniel. So it would be as if God's speaking, but not God himself, but under the authority of God. And so the word from God through his messenger is, Daniel, you are loved. And so we need to receive the truth and fact that we are loved by God. To be washed over by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in such a way as to reveal to us the true depth of God's love for us. So let us ask God to show us this great love for us. Let me encourage you, ask God in your prayer time, God, will you please show me your great love for me? We need to walk in that. And then as the Lord washes that over us, and when we're in public, we might actually tell somebody, Jesus loves you. It's contagious. You might be afraid to say that to somebody. But there's greater things in life to be afraid of than to say that to somebody. Verse 12. Wait, did I get ahead of myself? Okay. Uh, Later on in in, in 11, uh, he says, um, understand the words that I speak to you um, and stand upright. So, so the angelic man tells Daniel to understand the words, and then he tells Daniel to stand. So what we see here is Daniel is encouraged in three ways here. Remember, Daniel's on the ground as if he's dead. And then this hand touches him, and this messenger of God tells him he is loved by God, number one. He is given understanding by God, number two. And he is given the ability to stand. Those are things that God gives us as well. Jesus loves us with an, an enduring love, a love that, that, that he spent his whole life and poured out on the cross for us. God loves us. His, his love is unsearchable. It's unmeasurable. It's something that we can never pay back. It's just, we just need to receive it. God gives us understanding through his word. He, he doesn't hide himself from us. And he gives us the ability to stand in confidence in our relationship with Jesus, 
in our identity in Christ. I had this conversation with a, a friend the other day. The issue is our identity, our identity in Jesus. As we grow up as adults, we experience things and we, we, we put our identity in so many different things. It's just, it's, man, it's just how we are. And the Lord says, hey, I want you to put your identity in me because he's the one who completes us. And so I find it fascinating that these three things are given to Daniel. Verse 12, then, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you, listen, you guys, this is so important and we can apply this to our lives and our prayer life. Then, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Look, interesting, right? Your God, he associates Daniel's God personally, right? We have a personal God. We have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. When you began to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of what? Because of your words. Do you see what's happening here? The Lord is showing us this peace in our lives as Christians that our words in prayer actually affect what happens in the spiritual realm. This is why it's important to pray. This is why when we pray, our confidence is in the reality of this. We don't pray you know, memorized prayers of, you know, these different things to try and gain things from God. No, we don't pray to gain things from God because we're selfish. We pray because we want God to move in things that the Holy Spirit places upon our hearts to pray for. We pray for things because we see a, a, a world that needs to have Jesus revealed to it. And, and we pray against the things that hinder the word of God. And we will learn here that there is a real hindrance in regards to God's word going forth at times. And so this angelic being is telling Daniel, look, because of your words, I have come. And he says, verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Verse 14, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So God allows us to have a glimpse behind the curtain into the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm surrounds us everywhere. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 says this, for we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, in other words, our physical body, this isn't our, our area that we're to wrestle with, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Church, this is why we pray. Because these are the things that we wrestle against. This is our adversary. Ephesians tells us that there's principalities, there's the, that the demonic realm, Satan and his demons, they are organized. They have different levels of authority. And so we see here that this angel that was talking to Daniel saying, look, there's this prince of the kingdom of Persia. And the word prince here means a position of authority. And so this demon had authority in Persia to demonically hold God's word back. What's happening here? The angel tells Daniel, the moment you prayed, I was dispatched from heaven, but I was held up for 21 days fighting with this demon that holds authority in Persia. 
How long was Daniel fasting for? 21 days. He wasn't fasting. How long was he in prayer? How long was he in this depressed state at God's feet? 21 days seeking God's face. It's fascinating. I want you not to miss out the, the reality of what happens when we pray. Prayer is the most powerful, one of the most powerful tools and gifts that God has given Christians. You know what happened when you go back and you read the history of revivals? They started with prayer. The success of Spurgeon's ministry, I, I could be misquoting this, but if I remember correctly, a guy was interviewing him. Why are you so successful? I mean, thousands and thousands of people would come to him. A pastor friend of mine's reading his book, uh, Spurgeon the Pastor, and you used to have to buy tickets, okay, to get in because they couldn't figure out how to get as many people in there. And he said the church services were boring and there was no life to it. It was just the word of God. But supposedly there was a hundred people in a basement praying during his services. Revivals, if you go back and you look at the, the, the history of revivals, there's, there's, there's a group of people or individuals that get on their knees and pray until God answers. If you look at the history of George Mueller, who, who was a guy who went in Europe, had nothing. And he set up orphanages and thousands and thousands and thousands of kids were, were ministered to by his ministry. And they would have no food and they had no idea how things were going to happen. What do you think he did? Do you think he wrote out a business plan? Do you think that he, 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 he went and talked to the governor or tried to get all these things in place? No, he prayed. Supposedly the place of his life where you go to his house and there's, there's, there's Neil, there's, there's divots in the wood floor because of where he would pray. If you want to see God move, your life needs to be a life of prayer. It's a requirement as a Christian. There's something very powerful and very special when we take who we are and we get real with God and right with him by confessing our sins and letting the Holy Spirit, like when we have prayer on Wednesday nights, I love it. My dad always starts with this. God, if there's anything in us that's hindering this time of prayer, will you please reveal it so we can confess our sins to you? It's the place we start. If we go back in the other chapter, right, we're reading Daniel, he was confessing the sins of himself and his people, a broken and contrite heart before the Lord. God doesn't want sacrifices. He wants us to be broken and contrite before him. If we can be usable and moldable in the presence of God, mighty things will happen in people's lives. It's when we think we have an agenda and a plan and we have to follow man's plans. And let me tell you, man, the church is set up in America that follows a lot of man's plans pertaining to church services and the way things are structured and everything. And even in this ministry here, it's like God continually shows me that this isn't about Brian's plan to try and make something happen to put butts in the seat. It's about us becoming a group of people that are broken before God because we're sinful and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us so that this community can see the reality that the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus can change people's lives. Do you know how many uh, uh, help programs are in communities? They'll always be there. They'll always get money thrown at them. 
There's always going to be food to give out. Shoot, Jesus even said, you know, he fed the 5,000. All these people wanted to follow him. And I'm paraphrasing, you know, feed. They, they wanted to be there for the food. But when the food went away, they went away because all they wanted was to get fed physically. And so we have to be very careful that we don't try and fix things in the physical world when God's called us to battle them in the spiritual realm. And that's for us to be in prayer. See, it's because of the words of Daniel that this angel was dispatched from heaven. And the prince of Persia wasn't a physical prince. It's interesting. You know, this 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 demonic being, it had no it had no dominion over the it had dominion over the kingdom of Persia. And it had strength to even, now listen, withstand one of God's mighty angels. We see that Michael, archangel, had come to help this angel. Uh, remember when I said that, you know, the, the being or the, the angel, the, the, the person that Daniel saw in the very beginning of this chapter was most likely, most likely, okay, is not Jesus. Uh, verse 13 gives weight to that thought. Jesus would never need help from another angel. He's God. He doesn't need help like that. He has all authority. Now, it is said it's possible. Maybe Jesus showed up and then, you know, the, that's it. And then the other one conversing with Daniel and then the hand touching and maybe there's multiple beings there. Um, scripture's not extremely specific, but as I continue to read through the flow of this, I'm under the impression of more that it's not Jesus who showed up in the beginning. Um, you know, I, Jesus wouldn't need the help of Michael. Like I mentioned, how long did this battle between the demonic being a Persian, the angel, and Michael, the archangel, last for? 21 days. How long did Daniel been praying? 21 days. Why did this 21 days happen? Why was there the longevity of the time? I mean, God could have just zapped the prince of Persia out of there, wave of a, poop, be gone. Why the delay in God's word coming to Daniel? Well, when God delays, it is not for him, and it's not for him to not answer or not being able to answer. But it's an opportunity to press into God in prayer even more. It builds character in us as Christians. We had a conversation yesterday in men's group, you know. Um, how does God know that you have faith? You know? And that it, it comes out in our character. It comes out in, in us pressing in and, and, and relying upon Him. You know, in trials, when God's not answering prayer, are you just saying forget it, or are you persevering and continuing in prayer? It's an opportunity to press into God and pray even more. Pray, don't stop praying. Pray until God gives you an answer or God gives you peace. But don't stop praying. God's word says to pray without ceasing. God can change things. He can give supernatural peace. Like I mentioned, when things are not changed, 
And the point is to pray and not give up. David Guzik writes this, commentator David Guzik, persistence in prayer is necessary, but not because God is reluctant and needs to be overcome. Rather, it is necessary to train us. Daniel's success makes us reflect on our failures. How much angelic assistance or insight has never been realized or greatly delayed because of lack of persistence in prayer. We have this snapshot of what happens when a, a, a Christian, let's just call Daniel a Christian, right? When you have a follower of God praying, the, the angel said, right when your words left your mouth, I was dispatched. And so God's word isn't only applied to those who are in the Bible, right? Right, that's it, right? It's only for Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. What do I get? Nothing. I'm Brian, the sinner. No, we need to take God's word and apply it to our life. So it should bring conviction. Are we praying in such a way that we pray until God answers? And if not, then why? And if not, then what's more important in your life? Daniel's a great example of what a person looks like who's dedicated to God, his life. very convicting. It's very interesting. This, this piece of, I've always found this piece of scripture just super fascinating, you know? So when we pray, you like send crazy warring angels that look like this, like they're on eyes of fire and what? Because you remember that this angel was coming to Daniel to give him God's word, right? To reassure him. There's a prophecy that this angel gives Daniel that we read about later on in chapter 11. And so Dan, Daniel's seeking God. He's totally downcast. He wants to know these things. His direction is towards the Lord. And boom, an angel sent out to talk to him. And then that angel stopped. And Daniel continued and persisted in prayer and persisted and persisted and persisted. And we see this great snapshot that as Daniel persisted for the 21 days, it was the exact timeline that that angel took for him to get to him. One commentator was like, hey, if, what if Daniel stopped praying at, you know, 19 days? Would the angel just have gone back? And the word never come? I just know this, that God calls us as believers to pray. God calls us as believers to pray without ceasing. God calls us to believers to meet with each other. He tells us that when two or more are gathered, that he is literally in our midst so there's something supernatural that God gives the believer when we pray together, when we're together in the name of Jesus. And the, if we want to see a community change, if we want to see, man, I don't know why, but I've been reading about death in all of hers lately. I don't know why. I don't know why in my feed there's like, hey, Go find me for this funeral, this person, this person. And, 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 and it's all, all of her people. And I'm like, Lord, why, why, why is this in my Facebook feed? I don't search for people dying in all of her unless somebody says, hey, this happened, and then I'll look for it. Maybe the algorithm in Facebook is doing that. I don't know. But for me personally, it's like, Lord, that just shows me that there's just 
death in this community. And there's death all over the world, I know that. But this happens to be the community where I'm called to do this. Well, how do we change that? Do we set up a don't die program? No, we pray. We pray for demonic strongholds to be released from people's lives. We pray for God's word to be revealed to people. We pray for an open door for God's word to go forth in a community. Just like, okay, so we had training here for Child Evangelism Fellowship, and the training was specifically for groups of people to be able to go into the elementary schools and have after-school club called the Good News Club. And it specifically trains us on how to do basically VBS every, once a week in an elementary campus and, and, and specifically share the gospel so that children can get into heaven. If Jesus is in your heart, you're not going to heaven. That's just a reality. And so although we had that training, and everyone was here that was here. There was five different churches here. There was about, I don't know, 12, 15 of us, about four or five people per church maybe. Okay, so it was a little more people. And did you know that Yuba County has never had a good news club on any of the campuses? Did you know that? Never. When I called up Child Evangelism Fellowship, and Gene and I had a connection from them from 2010, we were in Sacramento, and I was at a meeting, and like this principal, because I shared something about the way the community is. Did you know that the community right now in the school, that kids are just so overwhelmed because they lost two years of their life, and the teachers are overwhelmed because the kids lost two years of the ability to socialize properly in their grades, that you have this, this, this social and emotional train wreck going on in schools right now. That's real. And you know what can fix that? Jesus. Jesus brings peace. He brings wholeness. He brings happiness. He gives forgiveness of sins. And so I see this need and I talk with principals. Yes, there's a need. I talk with principals, oh my gosh, we have kids that can't even figure out how to be in fifth grade because they used to be in third grade and they never went to fourth grade, basically. And so, okay, and so I'm in this civic meeting and this principal, I speak up about how the, the sheriffs, because it was sheriffs and police and, 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 and the president of the school board and teachers and principals, and they're talking about these different things after Uvalde happened in Texas. How do we do security? Come to find out the counties have great security for emergencies. And then I'm like, I don't know. I just got overwhelmed. And maybe it's the Lord wanting to speak to this group of people who are saved and unsaved. You know, it's always scary in that environment, right? And so I just opened my mouth like the crazy loud kid I am. And so I just start sharing the fact that, and I said, I, the sheriffs are overwhelmed, the police are overwhelmed, the schools are overwhelmed, the principals are overwhelmed. And they're all, yeah, we are, we are. And I said, you know what? It's sad that you guys are scared of the Bible because Jesus is the only answer. And they're like, yeah. I had sheriffs telling me, thank you for what you said. And, and after that, and I wasn't looking for appeasal from other people. There are other pastors there too. And I wasn't looking for appeasal from other people. But this principal came up to me and she said, hey, uh, our after-school programs actually are filled right now. This is two months before school started and, all, and there's a waiting list. And we have 500 students in our school and only 70 are available to be able to go to the after-school program. Is there possible you could do something after school like a good news club? I was like, Yeah. And then I'm like, how do we do that? 
Good News Club. It's like Child Evangelism Fellowship. Where does this work? So I look up Child Evangelism Fellowship, and then my broken brain, because I did so many drugs as a teenager and young adult, goes, oh, you know, the old director of Child Evangelism Fellowship, because you were painting the walls at First Baptist Church in 2010, and her office was right there, and you would talk with her. And so I go to Facebook. I go, oh, she's still alive. Okay, good. And so I, I reach out to her, and she says, hey, Brian, yeah, I'll connect you with whoever. And so then I got connected with Chelsea, who's the new director. And so we started talking. And she said, you know that they've been praying for years for Yuba County to be able to have a good news club? And I was like, wow, okay, we're nobody. Let's do a good news training at our church. Some pastors were like, oh, we don't want to do that. A lot of times we physically look at things and create opposition that doesn't even exist. So I'm like, well, why? I look at that as excuses. Like, why would you not want to come to the training? The reason why I'm sharing all of this with you is this is nothing that I created. Okay? This is God orchestrating things because people prayed. And so even though we had the training here, we're not in the schools yet. Even though I have principles that tell me th what's happening with the students and principles saying we need this, th that doesn't guarantee it'll happen. See, when we go forth with God's word and we take steps of faith to do these things, these are spiritual things. These aren't physical things. And in my study, one, one, one person I was listening to was saying that the spiritual realm is actually more important to realize than the physical realm. It has a greater effect. But yet, what do we deal with usually? Physical. I wake up, I need coffee. I get a paycheck, pay my bills. So then do we have habits that are built in our lives that actually would cause us to pray without ceasing? That when we see an issue in our lives, that we dedicate our life to prayer. When we see a community that needs help in certain areas, what do we do? We need to pray. And so I find it fascinating that as when I went on vacation and I, got, I finished this book by Jim Cimbala, and then in this section of Daniel, and God literally just pulling back the curtain of the spiritual realm and revealing the necessity as believers to submit our time to the Lord to pray and to seek his face and to seek heaven. I want to see heaven revealed to all of Hurst. But it has to be revealed to us first. And if there's things in our lives that don't please God, we need to get rid of them so that we can let the Lord move in our life. So we, so we can be strong when other family members are a mess or, or, or we can direct people when, you know, they don't know what else to do in their life. May we not be so stubborn and prideful that we think we have answers. It's interesting how God puts such a high value on prayer Jesus prayed. 
all the time. And he is God. But we know that he's God incarnate and Jesus allowed and was obedient to that so that we would see an example of what that life should look like. So verse 15, when I, he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. So after this person had touched him, spoke to him, said these words to him, and, and suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, saying to him who stood before me. So now Daniel speaking to the one standing before him, my Lord, and not Lord, capital L, but Lord being he, Daniel's lower, okay, here. He's like, you, you're over me here, but you're not Lord being God. My Lord, because of the vision of my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord, as for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. So Daniel's saying, it's fascinating here. He can't even speak and, 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 and so, so, so this angel touches him and, and it gives him the, the strength to be able to speak. And then Daniel being able to speak is now saying, I can't even comprehend what you're going to say to me because I have no strength. It's fascinating. Daniel, again, he had questioned and acknowledged that he has no strength in him, no breath to allow um, at all. How can he even have a conversation or understand prophetic vision in the state that he's in? And again, it's important to notice that the state that Daniel was in wasn't caused by God. It was just an outcome. And that God can send ministering angels. And this is what we're seeing here. God, the angel ministered to Daniel. I don't know about you, but man, sometimes I'm just like, Lord, I need you to be with me protect me, you know. In that book uh, um, about Brooklyn Tabernacle, it's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And um, uh, Jim Cimbala, he didn't, he didn't, his, his father-in-law told him to go pastor a church, so it's not like he had some great epiphany. He was, he was really into basketball, like he was serious about basketball career. And um, he, he was horrible as a pastor, pew broke while he was preaching, and he hated what he was doing, and, and he, couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it. He was done to the point where he just started weeping one Sunday and like started to preach, and he started weeping in front of the congregation of 20 people. And uh, he said, we need to pray because I can't do this anymore. And that's where we have to come to as people. I can't do this anymore. When we say, God, I can't, is when he steps in and says he can but I want to share this piece with you that he was, you know, th th there's ministering angels that can, that, 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 that minister. And, and, and so in this book, he, he was preparing for Sunday and people would later on, years later, they still have Tuesday night prayer. And, uh, he, he heard this person praying so fervently through the air vent and it's like they were hitting the chair and they were like saying, protect him, God, protect him. And he's like, okay, you know. And so that night while he was preaching, um, a guy comes way from the aisle with a gun in his hand. And his, 
deacons didn't see it or anything. And the guy comes with this gun. And the guy threw the gun on the stage. Um, and he had had an argument with his girlfriend and, and the guy, the Lord removed the desire to shoot somebody. And that was the night that somebody was praying, protect him. And so the person had been praying to protect Jim. And somebody was going to be there with a gun. So we need to be praying, praying for protection, praying for protection of others, pray for pastors, not just me, others. Pray. That's why I pray for those who are doing ministry that I know in other parts of the country. God moves when His people prays, when His people pray. It's interesting. Verse 18, then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. So again, ministering, he's ministering to Daniel and there's a reason. And he said, again, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you, be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. So he touched he, Daniel um, again, um, he again is touched by God's angel and strengthened. Um, again, he is told of God's affection towards him. He is told not to fear. Uh, his fear is taken away when he's told not to fear. Um, he is given peace that comes from God. Uh, he is made strong by God. Remember, angels are God's messengers. They only do the will of God. They operate on behalf of God for the glory of God. They're not independent of God. Those are demons. So what is the result here? Daniel is strengthened. He now is able to receive the word that God has sent to Daniel through this angel. We need to know that we are loved by God. You are loved by God. We need to be strengthened by God. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us, uh, to give us courage. These are needs for us as people, uh, to give us the ability to listen to God and not to listen to the world or to our flesh or be driven by our insecurities. We need the peace that comes from God to flood over our hearts and minds. We need that. So important. Verse 20 and 21. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is, not, what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So, this warring angel of God was to return to fight with the demonic being in Persia, then the one that has dominion over Greece. So we know that the Grecians were after uh, the, the, the Persian empire. Uh, the heavenly warfare, this is by uh, commentator Baldwin. The heavenly warfare is to be directed against the first Persia, against first Persia and then Greece, because each of these, listen, you guys, each of these in turn will have power over Israel, which is God's people. Later on in chapters 11 and 12, we'll see how that plays out actually, 
Um, so Michael the archangel stands to defend Israel, God's people, is defender of God's people. Uh, and, and we ourselves have angels that war against spiritual foes in our lives. Psalm 34 verse 7 says this, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 through 17. This is really interesting here, what happened with Elisha. So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. It's amazing what God dispatches and allows to happen in a believer's life, what's going on around our lives. We need to be in prayer. In closing, I'd like to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and then, we'll, and then Clint's gonna come up and we're gonna take communion today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20, and this is for all of us. Finally, my brethren, be strong, Oh, be strong in your old age and fat. No, I'm speaking of myself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? God's. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not just part of it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Man, if these days aren't evil, I don't know what are. And having done all to stand, the writer of Ephesians, Paul says, stand, therefore. In other words, now you have everything to stand and stand. It's just a securing thing. We need to stand as Christians in the power and might of Jesus with the armor of God upon us. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth of God's word, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is what Jesus gives us, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. These are offend these are offend these are not we're not our back is not to the things of the enemy in the world god empowers us to stand with our face facing them and we need to be in prayer standing and facing god and saying lord be my shield my buckler be my strength lord i want to see things happen in in the people and the lives of those that i love god will you please help it needs to be what we pray and how we pray because God's word gives us that ability to do so. Take the helmet of salvation, the word of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, praying always. Not just when you need money, not just when something hurt you, always with prayer, all prayer and supplication in the spirit. In other words, always be laying your, your requests in led by the Holy Spirit at God's feet, being watchful to this end. In other words, with a vision and being, being, being intentional with your prayer. To this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me. It's interesting, Paul writes, very powerfully used man, but he's still asking the believers of Ephesus, please pray for me that I would be able to speak the word of God, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If 
Write down Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 and let this be something that marks your life. This is why we pray the way we pray is because of this. These are things God gives us. And if Paul needs people to pray for him, for the gospel to go forth, then we need to pray for the gospel to go forth into the schools. It's just what God requires of us, I believe. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your, your word and, and for your love for us. Thank you for Daniel 10. Thank you for prayer. Thank you that you empower us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your intentions towards us are great and good and loving. You're a loving father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today online or, or, or in this room that does not have a personal relationship with you, that they would make today the day of salvation, Lord. Your word tells us to confess uh, with our mouth that, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. For it's with our mouth that we confess and with our heart that we believe. And so, Lord, you ask us, if we don't know you, for us to take a step of faith and, and, and believe in the fact that you died for us, that we're a sinner and we need your help. So Lord, I just ask that this church would be a church of prayer, that our lives would be marked with prayer, that we would pray until we see you move. Just thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen.